You guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, you need to. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Mimesis, the podcast about all the twisted ways that art and life imitate each other. I'm Stacey Rourke. And I'm Sandra Sheriff Zachary. And we are your hosts on this zany little adventure. But it sure as shit doesn't feel zany right now, does it? Not even in the slightest. <laughs> no, no. Um, I want to let everybody know, because we just had a new episode that went live today. Our um, I Love Lucy episode went live today. And we were very lighthearted and having a great time in that. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I want our listeners to understand is that we... we um, pre-record all of our episodes. So we recorded that two weeks ago before yeah. the shit things happened. went to shit. <laughs> and um, we're going to give ourselves about 10 minutes right now. And we're going to state our own feelings about this. If you don't want to hear us get political, if you don't want to hear us talk about this, then by all means, skip ahead 10 minutes. But we're going to give ourselves this moment because... I don't know about you, Sandra, but I really feel like this isn't something we can be quiet about. No, not at all. No female, no person that cares about bodily autonomy. Yeah, you. we have to speak out right now. Yeah. Our rights have been taken away from us. They've been... Absolutely. Your daughter, my daughters now have less rights than my own mother did growing up in the fucking yep. 1950s. Yep. Are you kidding me with this bullshit? Yeah. They're supposed to be disgusting. It is. There's supposed to be a line drawn between uh, the government and religion. Yes. Freedom of religion. Where the fuck did that go? Out the Where window. You... Yeah. People of the Jewish faith, and I'm not criticizing anybody's religion. There are good and no. bad of every faith, but there are religions, many religions, that not only say that abortion is okay, but like in the case of the Jewish religion, that it's mandatory if the mother's life is at risk. Yes. Yep. No religion is right. Is 100% right. It's not the be all end all. And yet you're going to, for you know, you can have whatever beliefs you want. Keep them the fuck out of my uterus. Exactly. Yeah. Stay the fuck out of it. No uterus, yeah. no opinion. <laughs> exactly. Rachel Green said it. She had it right. No uterus, mm -hmm. no fucking opinion. Yep. Stay out of my uterus. Yep. I, you know, you I've talked to I my... both wouldn't be here. Exactly. If that law or if this would have passed, even yep. what? 16 years ago, 20 yep. years ago. Yeah. I had an ectopic pregnancy. I had 700 cc's of blood in my abdomen. I was in the process of bleeding out. 
And if I wouldn't, do you know what the only treatment for an ectopic pregnancy is? An abortion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you have a septic uterus, the only treatment is abortion. If you have a miscarriage that your body can't pass, the only treatment is abortion. Yep. I would be dead right now if that wouldn't have happened. Plain and simple. I'd be yep. dead right now. And we have a member of our family who I, I did get p- political on my own social media. And a member of our family jumped in and told me that um, abortions for things like ectopic pregnancies will still be allowed and those will not be contested at all because it's a medical emergency. Bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah. They're going to try and, yet, and stop everything. Yep. They've already said, well, you need to try to transfer that pregnancy from the fallopian that tube to happen. the uterus. You can't fucking do it. It's not a no. thing. You can't no. do that. Um, but I saw... I saw a post that went viral this weekend after I was called out for saying that. And um, the post was a woman who was in the medical field who had a woman who had 600 cc's of blood in her abdomen, had an ectopic pregnancy. And her doctor was in with the hospital's lawyers for nine hours trying to decide if he could legally do what he needed to do to help this patient to save her life so she didn't die. Now, I can't say that, you know, I didn't research this. I don't know that this post was true. But the premise behind it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Of, you know, professionals trying to get the okay before they help somebody because of this. Yeah. Absolutely, that's a thing that can happen. Don't tell me that it can't because it absolutely will. I'm just, I'm livid about this. And... I'm sorry, I know I'm ranting and I need to give you time to talk too, but um, I have also seen people on social media that have said, you know, we can have differing views and we can still be friends. No. Fuck you. No. No, we can't. If you're going to strip me of my rights, if you're going to strip all the women in the United States of our fucking rights because of your religious beliefs, no, we're not friends. No. We're not friends. Friends don't do that to friends. No. So I, I, I'll step down and you go <laughs> ahead and rant for a minute. <laughs> I mean, I've had a lot of people in my life, you, my friends, like between epitopic pregnancies, um, myself having high blood pressure with my first pregnancy um, where they wouldn't do the C-section. I mean, I was kind of in the boat where they didn't want to do it. And finally, my blood pressure was 180 over 100. And they finally did it. Like, it shouldn't have waited till that. It should have happened when I started showing the signs of preeclampsia. And another friend having her daughter have a, she was not going to live. So she had to seek out four different doctors to finally get this abortion. But the baby wasn't going to live. And like, what's going to happen? Like I have friends who've had stillborn babies. What's Mm going to happen to them? Are they going to say, Oh, you had an abortion. Now you're going to jail when you're grieving your baby. They could, they could, we don't know. We don't know. And it's not going to stop there. Um, Clarence Thomas has already said that he's going after, um, 
contraception and he's going after gay rights, gay rights uh, when it comes to marriage after this. So it's not done yet. Yeah. And I can't have any more kids. Like, I would love to, but I can't because if I do, my uterus will rupture. Yeah. So what (laughs) happens if you accidentally get pregnant? That's exactly. I can't. That's the terrifying thing. Mm hmm. And if they go after contraceptives, like I'm, I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah. You, just, what the, you know, what happens then? You just have to tell your husband, either you go back to wearing a condom or we just don't have sex. Is that, is that where yeah. we're at now? Yeah. Maybe that'll get through to the guys now while withholding sex. No. You know, I, at this point, I'm ready to take to the streets. I'm ready to do boycotts. Um, fuck 4th of July we're not celebrating this year because the 4th of July is celebrating freedom and ours was just more than half of the people in the United States does not have freedoms exactly exactly and here's here's my other question so if you're not going to grant abortions to people with ectopic pregnancies and septic uterus and you know they can't pass a miscarriage if you're not going to grant abortions to those people um, what's the treatment then? Are you just going to give them pain ma- management? Are you going to, um, what do we do? What do we do? We just, we just let them be in pain until they become septic or bleed out. What What's the treatment? Because, you know, if a cow in the field can't pass its, its calf, they, they, they have mercy and put it out of its misery. So yeah. are we granted less rights than a fucking cow out in the field now? What's, what are we doing here? What's happening? Yeah, they're just going to let us die. Yeah. That's that's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, <laughs> I, I had a long talk about this with both of my daughters and it's it's they're they're terrified for their future, too. Mm-hmm. My, my oldest is already talking about getting her tubes tied. And you know what? If she wants to, I will make her wait till she's 18. But OK, yeah, it's fine. That's fine. Yep. But then it comes to the thing of have fun trying to get that done because a lot of people won't do it because you don't have enough kids. You're not of the right age. You're all that freaking bullshit. Exactly. Exactly. It it is. It's horseshit. Mm -hmm. All right. We've given ourselves 10 minutes. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Okay. Deep breath. All right. Now, now that we ranted, um, it's not going to be surprising that I did not choose a lighthearted case for this week. We're not going to do glamorous old Hollywood or, you know, something fun like Lucy this week. We're going to do a situation that um, represents one of the ways that a, a court system has failed somebody. And that uh, it seemed very, very... Yeah, right? Doesn't it seem fitting? Okay. So what we're going to cover this week is we're going to cover the first half of season four of Stranger Things. Um, I have not watched this yet. I know. (laughs) I'm so behind. (laughs) You are. Every time we have have a new episode, you're like, I haven't watched that yet. (laughs) Um, At the time that we're recording this, the second half of the season isn't out yet, but I think by the time this one goes live it will be um i'm gonna flat out say that 
this season so far has been my favorite. Um, I always thought that it was it was a cute show and I've watched the other seasons, but never was I like, oh, my God, until this season. Uh, and I think it's uh, some of the new cast members or, you know, the, the originals who are as, as lovable as as ever. But this season they added Jamie Campbell Bauer. Uh, and he the way that he can go from sweet, innocent ally to malicious villain villain in the blink of an eye is astounding. And yeah, his talent <laughs> blew me away. So uh, he's he's become a favorite of mine. I actually want this villain to stay around longer <laughs> because I really, really like him. <laughs> That's um now the producers of uh stranger things said that the character that they have of eddie who eddie has a big full m- mullet he wears band shirts uh band t-shirts all the time yeah. listens to heavy metal plays dungeons and dragons um he doesn't do good in school. He's had to redo grades a few times. And that's okay. Um, yeah, that's fine. The producers of the show said that um, he was based on Damien Eccles, who is one of the West Memphis Three. And when I saw that article, I was it, it seemed like too much of a mimesis to let it pass by <laughs> yeah i did hesitate because this case has been covered so much there's um three documentaries paradise lost one two and three and then there's another documentary um west of memphis which was produced by peter jackson of the lord of the rings okay um, movies uh there was another movie that reese witherspoon did of it i Devil's Knot, I believe, was the name of it. So there's there's been a lot of coverage about this case. Many podcasts yet, have I done it. I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> but you know what? You're making my point for me. And my point is, even though this has been covered so much, if with this podcast we can educate even one more person on right. how badly the courts can fail us and how easily something like this can happen, then it's worthwhile. And yes, that's why I decided that this was, this was the one I wanted to do uh, this week. That being said, let's dig in. Now, one of the things that I said was Eddie, you know, he wears the band t-shirts. He was also targeted because he wore black all the time, which you me after the emo kids are teenagers <laughs> like literally every member of our family <laughs> yeah <laughs> would be wiped out if you targeted people that were black mm-hmm. um yeah his mullet my 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 oldest they call it a wolf cut now when girls yes. do it but she's got the mullet cut she plays dungeons and dragons like I, I could see that. Um, She's just a cool kid. <laughs> she is. I think so. But, you know, I made her. Um, you know, the, the subject matter of my own books, the fact that my house has a ton of ghoulish, good, you know, decor. Hell, the things that I do Google searches of. 
<laughs> I mean, you're an author. But I know. Yeah. Yours. Know. I'm surprised the FBI is not knocking on your door yet. There has been some shit. Listen, I, when I did one of my um, dystopian books, I had a, a member of my or one of my characters that was an explosives genius. Yes. And I had to research what two chemicals that she could add together to make an explosion. So I'm like typing it into Google and I'm like, I don't want to make a bomb, but if I did, what two chemicals could I use? This it's for a book, book I swear. Research. Exactly. Type that in at the I'm, same search. Book I'm research. It <laughs> exactly. Um, so... The thing about Eddie's character in Stranger Things is that even in that show, there was more evidence against Eddie for the crime he was being accused of than there was for the West Mem Memphis Three. Okay. That's tragic. Um, the character of Cindy, and I, I need to say ahead of time, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert in this and there's going to be some trigger warnings later on. So let's just get that out of the way now. Um, the character of Cindy dies in Eddie's house. And he's the only person there to witness any of this. She levitates from the ground. Her bones break and the life is sucked out of her. While no one around is touching her in any way. Um, and cell phones weren't a thing. So you couldn't Cell phones were a thing. Yeah. Um. I do want to add that the levitating part, I really think that they added that to the script because one shit person, when they were, you know, looking for things about the West Memphis Three, accused Damien Eccles of doing a spell that made him levitate off the ground. Okay. It was complete, complete horse shit, but I like to think that the producers were like, you know what? Somebody accused him of that. Let's go ahead and make him levitate. Right. Um, speaking of, of the bullshit, there is a scene where Will, the leader of the bully jocks in the, in the town, and his friends actually witness one among them lifting from the, the ground and suffering the same fate as Chrissy. Eddie happens to be there, too, and is just as horrified by this as everyone else. You would think that would prove to them that Eddie wasn't to blame. No, no. <laughs> There's a town hall meeting shortly after that, and Will and his friends go and spew all this crazy nonsense about Eddie being a devil worshiper and that he's behind the desk and the whole town needs to rally together and go after him. And the way the director plays this scene, it's it's fantastic because there's a moment where, like, the whole crowd pauses. And we think for a minute that somebody there is going to have a moment of clarity and be like, okay, well, this is just a bunch of horseshit. This isn't right. right. Then one dude stands up and he starts walking to the door without saying anything. Again, you want to think it's because he knows this is crap and he's, you know starting the siege of people that's going to walk out of the, the room. Then right before he gets to the door, he turns around and looks back at the crowd and says, let's go. And everyone Ugh. joins him. And we basically have like a torch. A and, yeah, we have a witch hunt. They're, they're ready to get their torch and pitchforks. And yeah, 
exactly. Terrible. It is. Um, oh, before I go any further, like I'm going to start digging into the case in a minute. But another reason that the season is so amazing is the lore that they brought into it. And the, the fact that the actor that plays Freddy Krueger, um, Robert England, <laughs> he also is in this. And he plays a guy who's tormented by his dreams. <laughs> so That's fantastic. It's That's glorious. absolutely fantastic. It is. Highly recommend it. Um, even if you haven't watched a, se- a series, the, 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 a season of this series before, just dig in because it's so good. Yeah. Like that kind of makes me happy because Freddy Krueger was like my nightmares. Oh, he still is. I, I, of all the horror movies that I watch, I can't watch the Nightmare on Elm Street ones. No. No, no. I saw one scene, or maybe two, but it was the waterbed. I used to yeah. have a waterbed. Johnny Depp. And that scared me so much. Johnny Depp in a midriff top. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, my, my little next one will be on about Johnny Depp. Oh, <gasps> stop it. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You told me about it. <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> I knew that. Um, I watched Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time at a sleepover with a friend when I was only eight years old. Okay. I think I was about the same age. Yeah. Scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't. I can't. Mm-mm. Nope. No. <laughs> no. And it was a little girl scene where they like the claws come out in the car. That scared me too. It was the like, little girl singing. It was the 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 corpse in the body. Yeah, I don't bag. even know what that is. Oh, <laughs> the one, two, three's oh, yeah. coming for you. That whole thing yeah. scared the shit out of me. Little girl singing. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. It's just no little girl singing. And the creepy twins in The Shining. Yes, yes. Or the little boy red rum. No, just kids are creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my daughter almost got punched. <laughs> For any reason or just? I didn't tell you that story. I don't know. Okay, so one night, I'm sleeping in bed. She's in her room. All is great. I wake up, and she's staring at me. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> and I, like, reflexed, almost punched her. Yeah. Yeah. Just dead at night, holding her blanket, staring at me, wide-eyed. <laughs> that's so scary. Ellie used uh-huh. to do that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you can't do that. One yeah. of these days, I'm going to come up swinging, and I'm not going to mean it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so side sidetrack there aside. Let's get into the real case of the West Memphis Three. This was during the 80s and the 90s when the entire country was wrapped up in the whole satanic panic thing, right? And the media was feeding into this particularly her pardon i said fully fully feeding into it yeah Yeah. particularly geraldo rivera who did a so-called documentary about devil worship and it was the highest rated documentary at that time and is also believed to have donned the area of sensational news Hmm. you know where they do shit just for a story yeah As the case unfolded, it was one of the first ever court cases that allowed cameras in the courtroom. And honestly, that made all the difference. 
If people wouldn't have watched the documentary HBO made of this, Paradise Lost, these men may have been left to rot or, in Damien's case, put to death, without a doubt. Because they were, these were kids who were impoverished, whose parents didn't have the money for lawyers, you know, legal battles and whatnot. They were poor kids that were thrown away to rot. And had it not been to put somebody's face to the crime. Exactly. Exactly. They wanted to wrap it up in a pretty pretty bow and just move on. Yeah. Now, before we get into all of that, let's talk about the de- details of the case. And they are horrific. So, you know, trigger warning about this. May 5th, 1993, three little boys went missing. Their names were Steve Branch, Christopher Byers, and Michael Moore. John Mark Byers, Christopher's stepfather, was the first to report the boys missing. Dana Moore was the second, claiming that her son Michael was last seen with Stevie Branch. At the Catfish Island restaurant where Pamela Hobbs worked, who was um, Stevie Branch's mom, um, her husband, Terry, showed up to pick her up. At that time, he called the cops and told Pamela that Stevie was missing. A huge search was underway. On May 6th, the bodies of the boys were found nude, hogtied, and weighted down in the diversion ditch within the Robin Hood Hills forest. Detective Brian Ridge went into the muddy, murky water after a tennis shoe had floated up to the surface. He tripped over what he thought was a log, and when he brought his leg up, the body of Michael Moore was on it. Ugh. How fucking terrible is that? Um, after feeling around in the water, the bodies of the other two were found. Christopher had been castrated. Stevie's face was riddled with bite marks. Like human bite marks? We'll go into that later. There's been a lot of discussion about that. One in particular looked human. But again, we will go into that later. There is some controversy about that. Okay. Detective Gary Gritchell, who's a dick, by the way. And Gary, I don't care if you're listening to this. You failed everybody in this. Right. He was put on the case um, and was close to retirement. Of course he was. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as I could tell from watching all of the Paradise Lofts documentaries, as well as West of Memphis, done by Peter Jackson, um, Gary had exactly no fucks to give about doing his job right. Of course. Anyone who wants to go ahead and come for me saying that, uh, I stand by it. He probably should have just retired before. He'd say, like, nah, I'm done. I'm not yeah. taking the case. Well, get this. Arkansas State Police, the state police, offered to help on the case because they knew that the West Memphis Police Department was not accustomed to huge cases like this. Yeah. And Gary said no Ugh. because he wanted to do it himself. He wanted to be the, the hero here. Yeah. Which there are no heroes in this situation because if there was, the boys would still be alive. Yeah. Or the actual murderer would be brought to justice. And we will get into that more later. But I will say 
spoiler alert, the real killer has still not been brought to justice at this point. That's terrible. Yeah. So Gritchell had no real leads at the time. That one thing to go on. And the police were starting to get desperate because families were panicked not having this solved. You know, they were worried about their own kids being out. Right. Um, it was juvenile detention officer Jerry Driver who suggested Gr- Gritchell interview Damien Eccles. Driver hated Damien and wanted to bring this kid down ever since he spent some time in the juvenile detention facility after running away with his girlfriend and being caught doing the horizontal mambo. (laughs) Now, keep in mind, both of them were underage. Yes, they both, you know, ended up in the juvenile, you know, with in in the the, the, they ended up in trouble because of this. But these were two kids that got caught doing something stupid. Like, I don't know where I was going to go with that, but like he got in trouble for having sex with his girlfriend mm-hmm. and they got put in juvie for that. I don't think she did, but he did. Yeah. Uh, and I this guy, this fucking <laughs> joke of a freaking country. <laughs> I know. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you right now. And I know people listening to this are going to be like, well, then move out. Okay. I will. Give me the money. Thanks. <laughs> Or we can fucking fix this train wreck. Let's try yeah. that. Um, yeah, so so Driver hated Damien because he was different. He wore all black. He had the goth look. People thought he dyed his hair black, but he 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 doesn't. He it just is. has that kind of jet black hair all the yeah. time. He's been in, j- in jail where, you know, they couldn't dye their hair. And it's still that jet black. That's just him. But because he had this goth look, Driver hated him. And yeah. decided to, to throw him in Gritchell's direction. So they started questioning Damien daily. Daily, the cops were going to him and questioning him. They subjected him to a polygraph and said the results showed him being deceptive. But <laughs> there's no record of these results anywhere. Wow. So it's just that they said, well, he, it shows him being deceptive. There's no proof, yeah. but that's it. Their so word. they never even gave him a lie detector? They might have. There's just, and that's the thing through this whole case, like the record keeping was just a jumbled mess. Uh, and so if he, okay. So if he actually did it, which doesn't sound like he did. But if he actually did it, they did a fucking shit job at keeping records to even because then you can go, well, that's hearsay or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But see, they didn't need actual proof. We're going to get into that because they had they brought the town out against these boys and blatant lies on the stand happened. Oh, so just like our just uh, I got to stop. No, you don't. Go for it. That's why we're doing this one today. (laughs) Just like all our freaking Supreme Court justices. They lied under oath. Mm -hmm. Lied. Yep. Yep. They need to be gone. Every one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Except for those three. Those three can stay. Yeah. All right. Um, So there's no record of that. Here's the other thing. Not 
one thing at the crime scene pointed to this being a killing of any kind of satanic ritual at all, at all. Yet the entire town got word that devil worshipers were behind this and clung to that as gospel truth. That's what they believed. This is when people started making insane claims. Uh, you know, one guy saying, oh, yeah, I know that Damien Kim. He he said a, a spell once and made me levitate. Or another saying that Christopher's genitals were found under, I think it was Damien's bed. It might have been Jason's. Yeah, found under Damien's bed. None of that is true. None of it's true. It was yeah. just that satanic panic burning through town and everybody just... Adding fuel Isn't that to the like fire. When Marilyn Manson's songs were coming out too. Yeah. Okay. Which they wanted to like really cool him. He was on like the Ricky Lake show or something like that. Yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about Marilyn Manson too much because he's he is. I mean, not he's a crazy. Nice guy. No. Yeah. He is not a nice guy. But then but his music is not to was. blame for it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So. These guys are being targeted because they're they're different. Uh, they, Damien and Jason, would get together and watch horror movies and listen to heavy metal music. I mean, that's how many kids do you know that do that all the time? That doesn't. <laughs> she raised her hand. You guys didn't see that. You can't but... say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Damien Eccles and his best friend Jason Baldwin were at Damien's house watching movies when the cops burst in and placed them under arrest. How were they able to get the warrant? That was because of the confession given by Jesse Miss Kelly, which implicated himself and the other two for the crimes. Now, as all of this is going down, two suspects in another crime were arrested in California who happened to be in West Memphis at the time of the murders. Oh, while, being a, while being given a polygraph in California, one of them offered up that they might have had something to do with the, the boys' murders, but they couldn't remember because of all the drugs they were on. Oh, shit. Police sent this information along with their fingerprints to the West Memphis Police Department. That lead was never followed up on. What the fuck? Yeah. Why not? Because they, they felt they already had who it was, so they didn't research any other leads. Okay, do you remember the movie The Life of David Gale? Yes? Question like, mark? It's all about... I don't know if it's real, because I want to do this one, but it's about a man or a woman who stages her death, accuses a man, and then it has um, Winslet. What's her name? Kate. Kate Winslet on it. And she's like a reporter doing this. Yes, I did and see this. wasn't the killer. Yes. And it's shown after they put him to death. Yeah. Isn't there a scene where she's like running to the, the prison because she Trying got like to, a, yeah. one piece of information that would exonerate Wait, the video, him? The video of yes. her doing it all herself. And it was too late. Yes, I remember yep. that. Yeah. That's, oh, that that's is a good one. You should like. do that one. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's real, but yeah, I should. Well, you could find a case to compare it to. Mm-hmm. That would be a good one. 
Okay, so why would Jesse, Miss Kelly, confess to a crime he didn't commit? To understand this, we need to first acknowledge the fact that Jesse has an IQ of 72, which basically means he's mentally challenged. Jesse was taken to the police station and questioned without his parents for nearly 12 hours straight. He was brought in under the pretenses that there was a $30,000 reward and was even told he could buy his dad a new truck with that money if he cooperated. Yeah. From there, he was coerced into a confession big time. Led to the answers he needed to to give. Yelled at if he didn't give them correctly. Forced to rehash a made-up story over and over and over again until, until he got in. the details right. Yeah. yeah. And yet very little of this audio from these 12 hours was submitted to the courts. Like I said, over 11 hours of questioning, less than 40 minutes was submitted to the court. That's terrible. And even in the that portion, you can hear the the officers correcting him at times like they would say uh, Jesse would say it happened at this time of day and they would be like well wait now I'm confused because before you told me it was this time of day even after all that leading they he still wasn't getting the story right because he wasn't fucking there right he wasn't there and even his lawyer said that he could never tell the story the same way twice because it wasn't true right all of it was a lie Now, I know there's going to be people that are listening to this that are going to say, well, how did the officers know that he was mentally disabled? Well, they absolutely did. And there's things that they say during uh, his questioning that makes it very clear that they knew. At one point, we were talking about the fact that one of the boys was castrated. Um, The officers asked Jesse if he knew what a penis was. This is a 17-year-old boy. If you don't think he has any kind of mental limitations there, what other reason do you have to ask a 17-year-old boy if he knows what a penis is? Right. Most of them, it's their best friend. (laughs) (laughs) Right. They think with it all the time. Yes, they know what their penis is. Especially at the age of 17. This is what I'm saying. But they asked this question. So clearly they knew of his situation. Now, about this time, a a woman, I want to say she was like in her 30s. Um, Maybe she was in her late 20s. I'm not sure. But her name was Vicky. And Vicky decided she wanted to make a play for that reward money too. So she offered up to the cops that she would basically go undercover for them and ask Jesse to set up a meeting with her and the other two boys so that she could try to get information out of them. She even decorated her house with like items of the occult, trying to make them comfortable, you know, so they would talk. She claims shortly after this that she and Damien, who was like 18 at the time, began an affair. 
She went on to say that he and Jason picked her up in a red Ford Escort, which Damien was driving, and they took her to a witch's gathering that turned out to be an orgy. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. She asked to leave because that wasn't her scene, and Damien took her home while Jason stayed behind. Okay, but here's the problem. Damien doesn't know how to drive. And Not nobody, no. He might now. At the time, he didn't know how to drive. Yeah. And nobody involved with any of them drove a fucking red Ford Escort. Oh my gosh. There's zero evidence there. But the detectives believed her. And she actually took the stand to spew all this crap. Oh, goodness. By the way, since then, she has since recanted her statement and admitted every word of it was a lie. Wow. Yeah. Too little, too late. What is she, does she want an apology? Does she want to say she's sorry? Like, they spent 18 right. years in prison. Fuck you. So, I'm sorry. I'm re- snapping my papers here. I'm getting so pissed off. <laughs> This is a great case to do today because we can just be livid. (laughs) Okay. So there was also a teenager that knew Jason from another juvenile correction facility. And that's the thing. Yes, these boys did have run-ins with the law in the juvenile courts. That doesn't make them murderers. Okay? Right. But that's what, like, I don't understand why certain things get you to put into juvenile, like, detention centers. Like, him hooking up with his girlfriend? Like, what? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. It's natural. But they're both underage. It's not like he was 18 years old and a 14-year-old. That, yeah. Yes, absolutely. But then you try it as an adult. Not, like, if they're both 16... Let the yeah. parents deal with it. Yes. Drop them off in the in the cruiser. Right. Let their parents deal with it. Embarrass the hell out of them so they right. learn something. Stealing over and over and over again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go to yep. juvie. There's, there's reasons for it, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Jason's in or was in a ju- juvenile correction facility and this other teenage boy was in there with them. Um, and this other boy said that Jason admitted to him, trigger warning, first of all, this isn't true, but it's gross. Um, He said that Jason admitted to him that he killed the boys and made claims that Jason was bragging about drinking the blood from Christopher's severed penis. Now, a guard from the facility came forward and admitted he had been talking to the kid about the case, and he was the one that shared that rumor. Basically, he told the kid... He told the kid all of this. The kid was lying. And the detective, you know, Gary knew about this, knew that the guard had said, this kid is lying. I'm the one that told him this. And yet the teenager was allowed to take the stand and the guard was not. Of course, Mm -hmm. anything to help corroborate your story. And I didn't say that word right. That's okay. I knew what you meant. (laughs) Um, another 
horrifying failure in this as that the judge allowed it to be hinted at in testimonies that the three boys were sexually assaulted and sodomized. There was no evidence of that. Not one bit. But he let that wording be said during the trial and didn't stop it. It was a flat out lie. Yeah. They were failing these boys. They were not just the, the, the three standing trial, but the three that lost their lives. They were failing all of them by not doing their jobs properly. Yeah. It was misjustice after misjustice in this case. And in the end, Jesse and Jason were sentenced to life in prison while Damien was sentenced to the death penalty. He was basically looked at as the, the, the ringleader of all of this. Now, these boys went into the prison system as child killers. And you know, as soon as you go in with that, you've yeah. got a target on your back. Yeah. Um, Jesse was tormented relentlessly to the point that he would intentionally cause problems just so he would be thrown in solitary. Okay. Uh, Jason tried to go the full tough guy route. He he looked super young and had a baby face. So he felt that, you know, going tough guy was the only way that he could really survive. And Damien, poor Damien, <laughs> he was brutally beaten, not just by other prisoners, but by guards. Oh, yeah. And he was repeatedly raped. He ended up spending over a decade in solitary confinement. Um, it did have a lot of long lasting um, effects on his vision because, okay. you know, you're in a small cell all the time. You don't have to yeah. focus on anything further away. Your vision suffers. But in the looking at it, what he would have faced otherwise, it probably saved him, saved his life that he was yeah. in solitary. Um, the legal teams for all three of these men tried numerous appeals, all of which pointed to the complete lack of evidence because literally there was nothing. There was no nothing. fingerprint. There was no bloody clothing. There was no murder weapon, no DNA, nothing, not one thing. That's terrible. Yeah. What they needed was for the court to rule that the original ruling was wrong, which would allow them to have a retrial. But here's the problem. Here's where our court system is broken. One of the many ways. Who was presiding over every single one of these appeals? The same judge that ruled over their first trial. Oh, my gosh. So he would have had to admit that he was wrong. Right. To overturn the ruling. And, and that's not no okay. No. No, he's not going to do that. He's not going to admit he was wrong. No. Fuck that. So finally, uh, once he retired or died. <laughs> well, kind of, kind of. I think he did eventually get moved to a different position. He, there was a, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on the word. He was, he was running for another office, I believe. But before we get there, a funny thing happened when the Paradise Lost documentary was released. Now, keep in mind, Paradise Lost was released. The boys are in prison. They've been found guilty. And now 
HBO is running this documentary. Yeah. Many viewers watched this and saw there was no evidence against these boys. None. They were waiting for like the big reveal that, you know, they definitely did this because X, Y, Z and it wasn't there. They saw that they were being targeted for being different. Yeah. You know, they, one of the things that actually came out against Damien used against him during the trial was that he read Stephen King books. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, then we're all, all yeah in trouble. I started reading King when I was 12. Like, yeah. He had notebooks that had pentagrams on them. Okay, same. <laughs> yeah. Um, he admitted on the stand that um, he was fascinated by the Wiccan religion. And he even explained that in the Wiccan faith believes in a female god who's based primarily in nature. Right. But they spun that to make him sound like he was the kind of person who sacrifices children to Satan. No. Yeah. Good old fashioned witch hunt. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it was. Um, a lot of ce celebrities came out for these boys. Like I've, I've mentioned Peter Jackson already. Uh, Eddie Vedder, Johnny Depp, Natalie Maines of the, the Dixie Chicks, all of them rallied behind these three and yeah. you know offered their voices in their platforms in whatever way they could and now before we go into what transpired from there let's talk about some of the other people that became suspects along the way if you watch the documentary and i know you haven't yet but if you ever yeah. get a chance to oh i probably will <laughs> when we get done i'm gonna go turn on at least one of them yeah um the, the paradise lost ones are really good if you want one that's kind of an overview of the case what west of memphis uh kind of compiles the the other three okay in, into you know it's got the, the beginning middle end whereas okay. paradise lost is their trial and then the second one is them fighting, you know, for freedom. Okay. And then the, the third one is when they actually are released. But I watched them all uh, and highly recommend it because I learned something new with every single one of them. Yeah. That said, when you watch the documentaries, one of the people involved in this that you can't help but just be taken aback by is John Mark Byers, who was Christopher's stepfather. <sighs> Saying he was eccentric would be putting it mildly. This is a guy that's, you know, lining up pumpkins and saying, you know, these are these are Damien and Jesse and Jason and shooting them and, you know, saying to these pumpkins what he would say to those boys if they were in front of him. You know, that kind of stuff. He's doing uh, that for the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I will admit, as I was watching the documentaries, I questioned him as well, because it all seemed very put on for the cameras. Yeah. Um, this is a guy who's been in trouble with the law damn near all his life. In 1973, he was arrested for threatening his parents with a, a knife. In 1987, the neighbors called the cops on him because he was whipping two-year-old Christopher so violently that they feared for the toddler's life. Oh, my goodness. That little boy was fucking two. 
two years old. Yeah. Mm. And we're not done there. Also in 87, he was arrested for assaulting his ex-wife with an electric shock device. What? <laughs> yeah. Come again? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was shocking her. Mm-hmm. No, no. Oh, uh, let's see. Where were we? Uh, 92. In 92, he faced felony cocaine charges. 92, 93 was caught up in a Rolex scam. 94, he and his wife, Melissa Byers, were arrested for stealing $20,000 worth of antiques from a neighbor. Two weeks later, John was arrested for contributing to the delinquency of a minor after he held a gun on two teenage boys and made them knife fight. He did it. (laughs) During which this knife fight, one of the boys was seriously hurt. He did it. I wish the list stopped here, but it doesn't. Shortly after this, the cops were called again after he struck a neighbor's child with a fly swatter hard enough to leave bruises. A neighbor's kid. The the neighbors called the cops. The the, the, (laughs) shit. If I made that call, it literally would go something like, this guy hit my kid with a fly swatter. I'm calling you right now to tell you I'm on my way over there. Maybe get there before me. Maybe you don't. Either way, I'm heading over there. Shit's about to go down. So yeah, just know this is about to happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Where were we? Okay. Well, uh, in 1996, Melissa Byers was found naked and dead in their bed. Now, she did have a drug problem, but the medical examiner said there weren't enough drugs in her system to cause an overdose. At that time, Byers had a side chick, and she was with him when the cops arrived on the scene. (laughs) And when the cops arrived, one of the first things that Byers said was, I'm scared you're going to think I smothered her. Well, we we didn't before. We do now. We do now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the problem with that is that um, it's hard to prove if somebody was smothered. Like strangulation, you can prove because there's the marks on the neck. Smothering is very hard to prove. So to this day, the cause of Melissa's death remains undetermined. They still don't know. She didn't know D. They don't know for sure how she died. Now, a year later, a forensic analyst reanalyzed the death of the three boys. Now, John Mark Byers admitted that he had, quote unquote, whipped Christopher earlier the day that the boys went missing. It was found that the injuries he had to his backside were so intense that the skin was torn open which would have made it painful for him to walk or ride his bike the same day that he went missing. So he whipped him. The kids came over and tried to stop him and he managed to kill them all. That could be one. There's, but there's some, there's going to be another person that there's going to be. Oh gosh. 
Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. Now, I will say John Mark Byers has taken many, many, many polygraph tests about this because a lot of people have thought he did it. And he has passed every single one of them. He has okay. claimed that he wasn't behind this. But even if he didn't, can we just talk about poor Christopher that he was whipped with a belt so badly that it hurt him to ride his bike. And yeah. later that same day, he's brutally murdered by somebody else. This little boy was only eight and he saw that much violence in that short a time. That's heartbreaking. That's yeah. absolutely heartbreaking. This poor little boy. Now, we can all agree that John Mark Byers is a trash fire. <laughs> I don't think a trash fire. I think a dumpster fire is more fitting. Dumpster, dumpster fire, yes. <laughs> He's not the only one in this one. Terry Hobbs, who is the stepfather of Stevie Branch. Oh, shit. What? Did all these stepfathers get together? Apparently. I don't know. Because he said, like, he said he passed a polygraph saying that he had nothing to do with them but if they were just i can't say that word specific <laughs> i would help if i knew what you were going for oh my goodness if they were to ask him like a direct question of did you do this for just one boy like well, he did christopher the other one did the other one and then just like hid them all together Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You might be onto something there. I don't know. There's more to come, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Terry Hobbs. Now, uh, Stevie was his stepson, but Terry and Pamela had a little girl together. I want to say her name's Amanda. Um, she's in the West of Memphis documentary, and that is one little girl. She's a teenager now, but she's she's haunted. Like the upbringing she's had, that is a little girl that I truly hope gets help because you watch this this documentary and that little girl, like she's broken. She's broken right now. Yeah. And she needs she needs someone to help her put herself back together and to help her find her self-worth because she you, she's haunted. She's, I'll just leave yeah. it at that. Um, but these, these kids were physically, emotionally, and in Amanda's case, she was definitely sexually abused. Um, there are accusations that, like, Terry would masturbate in front of Stevie, and, like, like which is still sexual abuse. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, so this dude, Terry Hobbs, is he's a sick fuck, too. And I would, it's, as much as John Mark Byers is, is a dumpster fire... Just wait. Just wait. We're about we're about to make John look much better. Yeah. So this episode's gonna be very, very long. <laughs> yes, so just it is. bear with us. <laughs> we don't yes, need it to is, make it a two part. We don't, because I've only got like a page and a half left. So yeah. it's gonna be long. Sorry guys, but sorry, not sorry. Cause this needs to be this needs to be out there. Yeah. Okay, so in 1994, Terry Hobbs beat the crap out of Stevie's mother, Pamela. Now, this is after Stevie's death. Um, okay. They beat her to the point that she thought her jaw was broken. Her relatives came to confront Terry, and Terry ended up shooting her brother in the stomach what in the, the middle fuck? of the altercation. Yeah. <sighs> 
Okay. So Natalie Mains of the Dixie Chicks was one of the runs that was rallying to help um, Damien and Jason and Jesse. And first of all, I got to say something about that girl because she has been a political activist her entire career. And sure, it is. Oh, yeah. Her career has taken some hits because of it. Mm-hmm. But good for her, the way that she's always used her platform for things. That's right. It's what we need right now. We okay, need so a lot she, of it. Them we do. To step up. Yes. We need a lot of people. We need. We all need to step up right now. Yes. Um. Well, she said that Terry Hobbs needed to be investigated. Uh, one of the reasons that she said that we'll get I'm not I'm not gonna get ahead of myself yet okay (laughs) she said Terry needed to be investigated and Terry didn't like that so he actually tried to sue Natalie for slander nothing came of that case it was dropped but by doing so he found himself being questioned and stating some really damning shit in his deposition such as the moment yeah he was questioned for hitting Pam at this situation and this sick fuck. And they show this in West of Memphis when he was talking about, he was questioned about hitting Pam. He laughed full out, laughed about it to the point where the interviewer even said, is that funny to you, Mr. Hobbs? To which he's like, well, yeah, when you keep talking about it, are you, (laughs) I wish our I wish I w- our listeners could see your facial expressions <laughs> because <laughs> they've just been glorious this whole episode. Um, but he was showing his his true self there. Now, Terry Hobbs had a buddy named David Jacoby. Jacoby, I don't. I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong, but he. Uh, Terry said that the day that the boys went missing, David was with him searching in the woods for the boys. And David later uh, contradicted this alibi, saying that they weren't together. And basically their whole story started falling apart. And now they had already said this beforehand or he was never questioned? Uh, Which one, Terry? The first yeah. Terry was never questioned in the in the first part. Okay. Once people started saying that uh, he should be questioned for, we're going to go into why he should be questioned a little bit more in a minute, but um, he wasn't questioned earlier. I'm like he taking should notes be. and thinking, <laughs> and like, I'm going to solve this. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Do it. Fucking do it. Okay. Now, there's going to be a whole lot more about Terry in just a minute. But there is another thing that came out in um, West of Memphis. That, that's the Peter Jackson documentary. Um, experts on turtles in that area claimed that the water the boys were thrown in has tons of turtles in it. They will bite loose skin first. So yes, a, a body thrown in there, they would go for the lips. They would go for the, the, the nose, the earlobes, the genitals. They would go for that first. And this turtle expert on film, he let one of the turtles bite him. And when it pulled off, he showed the mark. And the marks were exactly like the ones that were on Stevie's face. Okay. So we talked earlier about 
were the bites human. One absolutely did look human. The rest very well could have been, could have been a turtle from turtles or probably were a turtle. If the water was infested with turtles, it was a turtle that was trying to. And that means that if the clothing rode up or that you said they were naked, they were naked. Uh, their were clothing naked. had been thrown in there and like stabbed down with sticks so it wouldn't float okay. up. But one shoe did float up. Okay. And the boys' bodies too, like their ties were stabbed down into the, the dirt so it would keep them down as well. That's okay. why none of them were floating up. So yeah, they probably got eaten by turtles. Yeah. Like I mean, they were, they were, there were stab wounds on um, right. some of the boys. I will also say um, one of them, and I have, oh, I feel horrible that I don't have this in front of me. It's not in these notes. It's in my other notes. One of them was dead when they went in the water. Um, the other two were not. So they had water in their lungs. They drowned. Uh, yeah. I want to say it was Christopher that was dead already, but I'm not, I, I'm not sure. And like I said, I feel horrible not knowing that, but that's in my other set of notes. I don't have it in front of me, but one was dead before he went in the water. The other two drowned, which is horrific. Cause they drowned. I mean, they were, they were tied. There was nothing they could do to free themselves. And that's, right. that's a horrible, horrible thing for those poor boys to go through. So at the time that we're at, this is, you know, Natalie, the, the case was dropped against Natalie. The documentaries are coming out. More, you know, time has passed. Around this time, three friends of Terry Hobbs' nephew, Michael, Michael came forward. Um, Michael had told them that Terry had killed the three boys and, quote, that was the Hobbs family secret. Michael himself confirmed this under oath in 2013. That same year, wow. Billy Wade Stewart and Benny Guy signed separate affidavits in which they claimed their friend, Buddy Lucas, had confessed to them his involvement in the boys' murders. Keep in mind, he confessed this to Billy and Benny on separate days and separate times, but their stories matched. In his confession, he admitted to committing the murders along with L.G. Hollingworth, Terry Hobbs, and David Jacoby. Remember, David wasn't collaborating the story anymore. Well, right. he was there when this went down. Um, according to Buddy, he and L.G. were teenagers walking around the Lakeshore Trailer Park in West Memphis when they were approached by Hobbs and Jacoby who were looking to buy weed. Buddy said his friend Billy Stewart had some and they went together to Stewart's house to buy it. The purchase was made and they ended up in the Blue Beeson Woods smoking pot and drinking whiskey. That's when Hobbs demanded that the boys, bunny ears, bunny ears, wrestle. At this point, something sexual happened between the four men. I don't, I'm not going to make any claims, but something sexual was happening between those four men. And yeah. that's when Hobbs noticed that the three eight-year-old boys, Michael, Stevie, and Christopher, had spotted them. 
Now, okay. One of the one of those is his stepson who could go run and tell mom that dad's doing this with other men in the woods. Yeah. Terry ordered the others to catch them and said they were going to teach them a lesson. And the horrific deaths of those poor boys is what followed. As this was coming out, Damon's, Damien's legal team asked for a new trial. And it was fucking denied again. Ugh. However, the Arkansas Supreme Court did offer them the opportunity to take an Alfred plea, which means they maintain their innocence whilst pleading guilty, which foregoes their right to sue the court for wrongful imprisonment. <laughs> All the boys? Um, the three, yeah. And if they take this the plea, they can three. walk out. Yep. They could walk out of the prison that day if they take this plea. No. And by the way, I need you all to know, like, she threw her hands up. She was about to walk out and just be done with this. <laughs> Telling you how the system is failing. Every mm -hmm. single one of us. Yep. Now, Jason did not want to take this plea. He was ready to give his life to fighting for his innocence. He was ready to spend, they had been in there for 18 yeah. years at this point. He was like, I'll spend another 18 to prove my innocence. I'm not going to say I'm guilty. Right. There is a part, I want to say it was in West of Memphis. It might've been in the third part of um, Paradise Lost. I'm not sure. But he says in an interview and um, Damien is like, Jesse's in between them and Damien's on the other side. And he said, the only reason I took this plea is because Damien, uh, he was he was going to get the life. He was going to get life. They were going to, or not life. Um, the death he was going to be put to death. He was going to be put to death. He said, I did this to save Damien's life. And, you know, Damien said, thank you. The two guys got up and they hugged right there. And you could see that this was, he did it for his friend. Even after all yeah. this time, you know, that was his best friend. Oh. <sighs> So, and you don't they do took that the plea. lightly for a murderer. If you were innocent no. and you know that your friend could have or would have done this, you don't do that for them. You know what? It's it's funny you should say that because that actually, at the very beginning of all of this, they tried to get uh, Jason and Jesse to just point the finger at Damien. And they offered... Yeah. To let them walk if they just said that Damien was guilty. And both of them were like, no, no, he didn't do not. it. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, I mean, these these guys, they might have been, you know, troubled youths, but they were right. good men. They are good men. So they took the plea after 18 years and they were released from prison that day. But here's the thing, because they pleaded guilty for this, the the, the nobody state, else can be tried they, for. They it. have no, yeah, they have no reason, no obligation to search for the real killer. So the real people behind those boys' death might never be brought to justice. How gross is that? It's disgusting. It is. It is. Um, 
as the, you know, we're wrapping this up, I, I do want to say a little bit about what the, the guys are doing now. Uh, Jesse has returned to his family. He's kind of kept quiet since then. Um, I think one of the things he liked about being in solitary was that it was quiet. And I think he wants a quiet, quiet life now. Yeah. Uh, Jason and Damien are both making the absolute most of all that they endured. Both of them married women who were advocates for them while they were in prison. Women that were there trying to prove their innocence and fighting alongside of them. Both of them have married women that were in the fight with them. Jason has started a charity that helps impoverished and wrongly accused individuals by offering offering them the legal resources. So they can have better resources? Yep. A chance that he didn't. Uh, he's also become a public speaker. Damien embraced Buddha, Buddhism. He and his wife actually had a Buddhist wedding ceremony while he was still in prison. Uh, since then, he's written over three books. I believe him and his wife have written the books together. He does spiritual re retreats and also is an artist now. So they are out and okay. doing the damn thing. And that's that's it. That's Eddie, based off of the uh, the West Memphis Three. <laughs> yeah, right. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I will be. <laughs> you don't seem like you're okay after this one. I'll be okay. It's just <laughs> a lot, and the injustice is just. It's like I think that's my my biggest thing is. I am very passionate about making sure that the little person has everything because mm -hmm. we get shit on so much. Yeah. And it's not fair. No. And now more than ever is a time we yep. need to come together and we need to rally behind each other. Like people rallied behind these boys who right. would have, they would have spent their lives in prison. Damien would have been put to death. Um, if people wouldn't have stand stood up for them. And that's what we need right. to do now. We need to stand up together and we need to make our voices heard. Yes, absolutely. So, so in the meantime, if you have um, episode ideas that you would like to send to us or you have yes. anything at all that you would like to get off your chest and talk to us about, you can all absolutely get a hold of us through our social media. Sandra, will you give those the people those <laughs> links, please? Yes, yes. Um, we have facebook.com backslash the Mimesis podcast. You can also find us on Instagram um, at the Mimesis podcast. And then Patreon to help us get some sound equipment and our soundproofing equipment. And um, that is patreon.com backslash the Mimesis podcast. And you can email us at themamesispodcast at gmail.com. There are so many here. <laughs> I know. And some have does and some don't. And it's very confusing. It really is. But don't let it confuse you. The website is mamesispodcast.com. There you go. And we would I love to hear right from today. you. You did. I'm very proud of you. All right. Well, this one was kind of an enraged one, but we will we'll be back to our funny, goofy selves soon enough. Yeah.
All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye.